Hey NAIF ball fans, this is John Cooper and my co-host Corey Thorpe. We are here with a, another special podcast with a coaching spotlight. We are here with the St. Francis head coach, Coach Kevin Donnelly. If you didn't know, and uh, you know some that are new to the show, Coach Donnelly is in top 10 of wins all time throughout all of college football. Coach, how are you doing today? Number seven, actually. I just want to make that correction. Number seven. Coach, I absolutely love that. And, you know, I was going to wait to the middle of the podcast, but my last organized football game was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, in the 2013 first-round playoff game, and that was only my second experience of snow. So you guys have to be some tough guys up there in November when it snows. Yes, sir. I was at Faulkner University in Alabama. It was a pretty chilly day. I remember the coach after the game came over. He had so much Vaseline on him. I thought he was at the uh, 500 ready to run. And I mean, he, he was greased up pretty good trying to stay warm. Yes, sir. So the funny thing is, they said, well, you know, the Green Bay Packers back in the day and the professional offensive linemen in the NFL, they put Vaseline on. Coach, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that Vaseline did not help, and I'm glad we had portable <laughs> heaters on the sideline. And then we look over on y'all's sideline, and there's no portable heater to be found. So we knew we were going to be in for a little bit of trouble. But enough about us, Coach. Um, I want to focus on you. You're coming off of – Two straight national championships, and then this past season, you're a semifinalist. I want to talk a little bit about the past three seasons, about you and Morningside meeting up throughout the playoffs, and we could definitely consider you guys, you know, the class of our league. Well, I, I think a lot of Steve Ryan. I think he is an outstanding football coach and even a better man. He's a great person, a class act all the way. Uh, so I was uh, I obviously wanted our team to, to go three in a row, but was uh, very happy for him. I, 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 it was his time, and uh, he deserved it. He had a great football team. Right, Coach. I, we definitely agree. We were able to get there Daytona to watch them. Um, now, Coach, in this podcast series, we've had several coaches – like we've had St. Thomas in Miami and a couple others join us on the podcast that were uh, first-year head coaches of first-year programs. And this brings a very interesting situation because not many realize while you're at the top of the mountain, you and St. Francis started at the very bottom. You started together. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, 1997 when you came into play there? I came in in 97 to start the program. Uh, our first season was fall of 98. We finished uh, dead last in the Penn State Football Association at 2-8. and eight. And then uh, pretty much the same group of kids, most of the other recruiting class, went from worst to first from 98 to 99. First conference title, went to the playoffs in year two. Right, and uh, so a lot of people do not even realize – that you started that program over there with a couple other great people. But, Coach, what would be your one piece of advice for somebody starting up a brand-new program? Well, I'll tell you, there, there's so many moving parts to it. Uh, you know, you, we're, we're fortunate. We're a great community. Um, Fort Wayne is the second-largest city in the state of Indiana. We are the only college football so, I mean, we have Notre Dame fans, Purdue fans, Indiana fans, but 
everybody in town is a USF Cougar fan. So the support we have had before we ever kicked off a game has been absolutely tremendous. It's been a great bridge from uh, the university into the community. So I think, you know, you, you better have a, a, uh, a strong alumni support group, which we had none at that time, or, you know, a great community support. That's what we started with was Fort Wayne community. Now, after 20 seasons, you know, you uh, start to build a pretty strong alumni base, and we hope to continue that. Coach, I totally agree. And another thing is you talk about your community. Each year your community comes together because hosting those playoff games, they're they're not very, uh, not to say, they're not cheap, for say. And your community comes together very well and does a great job hosting it. And uh, so kudos to the Fort Wayne, Indiana group. Uh, Corey, go ahead. Would you like to? I, um, I was I – was, um gonna say the same thing about the the community and, and coming together um so definitely um good on y'all um coach i was able to catch that game last year with morningside talk about in the snow um y'all just about had to have the field plowed every quarter um but but just talk for me a little bit about going up um you know against a powerhouse like like that um, and kind of anything that you would that that you would do differently uh, for for this season, you know, to get over the that hump and get back to the championship game. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can always go back. Right. and you know, I wish I should have done this or that. I, I really have no regrets. But uh, anything we've done, you know, this senior class graduates with four Final Fours and two national titles. Uh, you're not going to win a national title uh, every year. You can ask Alabama and Clemson that. But when you're knocking on the door four years in a row, uh, you're doing some things right. You're surrounding yourself with people of character uh, that you can depend on in the crunch. And we've been able to do that. We've got great coaches. We've got uh, outstanding young men in our program. And we have great support from uh, uh, Fort Wayne community. It's uh, – it's, uh, been a, a real joy uh, over the last 20, 21 years that I've been here now to see this program grow. Hey, Coach, so I, I want to look forward to this season. Um, you talk about what that senior class just graduated with their accolades, but and you can correct me if I'm wrong again, but I believe you have a quarterback, uh, Matt Crable, who's a junior. You're having a senior starting running back that led you in rushing last year. And then your uh, top two receivers are also seniors. Can you uh, just look forward and just tell us your envision of what uh, success might happen this year? Because you are very senior heavy on offense this year. Well, you know, we went through 2018 season rebuilding an offense. We lost seven out of the 11. And then Justin Green running back uh, had an ankle sprain week two and really was never himself the entire year. So it's like, you know, you're rebuilding an offense at 18, and we're doing the same thing in fall 19 with our defense. I mean, we graduated three great linebackers, Pearson Harnish and Barry Dutton, Marcus Stepp. So the whole second level is going to be new. I think we're going to be uh, strong at the first level, uh, line of scrimmage. I think we'll be strong on the back end. Yeah, we've got to uh, develop some young linebackers, and that's going to be a real challenge. Uh, that's uh, the heart of any defense. 
Now, Coach, uh, you mentioned one name there, and he's one of those seniors that are graduating, uh, Justin Green. And I want our listeners to know that, yes, he had an ankle sprain. Like you said, he didn't get back to himself. But I will say Justin Green had one of the most impressive performances that I got to watch clips of and see. He had 240 yards in the 2017 playoffs against Morningside, and that was an unbelievable performance. So I just want to give out a shout-out to Justin right there. Um, Coach, let's go back to a – I'm just going to comment real quick. Justin Green had a remarkable career. It was a tough senior season for him, but you're, you're absolutely correct. He was the uh, a real X factor in the 2016 and 2017 championship run. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt your question. Go ahead. No, Coach. I, I just wanted to get that out there because I've been following Justin for a while. Um, but I want to talk about your time at Georgetown in, over there in Kentucky. Um, you know, you won a national championship back when the NAIA was a Division One, Division Two. Uh, Coach, can you talk about your time there at Georgetown? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, went to Georgetown when I was 30 years old. Uh, Bill Cronin, who's the head coach there now and president of AFCA last year, was uh, my top assistant. And uh, we came in there. I think we were the seventh staff in seven years. So, you know, go figure. Um, we, uh, you know, we took our lumps the first four years, finally got it turned and built it, built it. Again, you know, you recruit good kids of character and you have uh, good coaches that work hard and are committed and uh, great things happen. So um, we were fortunate enough to, to get that first title there. Now let's go back even further. I want to know about your playing days in Anderson. I wasn't any good at all. I was <laughs> an average football player at best. Couldn't run. If somebody catches and hold them, I'd just knock the heck out of them, you know. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. Coach. That seems to be kind of a, a, a thing. I mean, um, Coach, I grew up a, a huge Florida State fan, and, uh, you know, growing up in the 90s, you know, of, co- of, of course, you know, we had uh, St. Bobby, Bobby Bowden over at, over at Florida State, and he, he was the same way uh, in college. I'm, I'm convinced that the best ones were just n- weren't very good at pl- as players, but know the technicalities and, and – of the game and know how to teach. Um, is You know, I've spent time with Bobby about talking football. Talked a little bit offense, talked a lot more about people. You know, and his vivacious personality and leadership, his players love him. They die for him. They learned a lot. This has been one day, I'm going to say, yeah, maybe 20 years ago. Uh, because I hang out around... Uh, your destination down there in the Panhandle quite a bit. Uh, folks have a place down there, so I rode to Tallahassee a few years back. and uh, you, you can tell that uh, you know he just has that personality that captivates young people, and obviously uh, you don't have to be a good player to, to lead. Coach, I, I definitely agree with that. And uh, so one thing I, I love to hit on is that Usually when a coach comes from being an average player that had to work very hard, you know, they know the specific steps on how to get there because with the elite athletic ability, sometimes you don't even realize how you do it or the fundamentals of how you get there. And uh, so sometimes, you know, players like that make the best coaches. Now, coach, I got to know, 
Um, you know, guys like you are very rare. You have Coach Wilcox over there at Benedictine uh, looking to uh, make to win his first national championship. But you guys are uh, well into your career. When do you ever envision a time where you would stop? And I, I think I'm going to smile when I hear your answer here. I don't see that happening as long as the good Lord gives me health to do it. I, uh, I can't wait to get up and get to the office every day. And it's because of, of the players and the coaches and relationships. I mean, I love the competition. I love the game and all that. But uh, I have uh, no desire to walk away from it. Uh, again, as long as I'm capable of doing the job, I, I plan on uh, doing what I love. Well, Coach, like I said, I'd put a smile on my face because, you know, football is all about competition. Am I going to be better than the other man? And that's what drives us all. Um, but, Coach, I want you to tell us, we're in – have you guys made it to spring ball yet? No, we actually start Monday. So tell me, Coach, what's been the off-season uh, routine schedule for your guys? Well, you know, we start – second semester they get three or four weeks off our Christmas break and then uh, we're in the weight room at five o'clock in the morning Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays and it's brutal and uh, you're in warm weather now but in Indiana when you get up and it's sub-zero weather and 20 mile an hour winds it's not pleasant you got to get to the weight room and sometimes we run outside uh, you know that's strength and conditioning and it's also a toughness thing so you know, you, you go through about uh, 26 sessions, I believe, of those. And, uh, man, uh, it, it, it separates the men from the boys. Freshmen go through it the first time. Some of them you lose. Some of them have no idea that uh, anything can be that difficult. Make the boot camp look like a walk in a park. So everybody's excited when spring break comes. We get back and we start spring football practice. Coach, that's that's awesome to hear. Now, what happens when a St. Francis Cougar shows up to their off-season workout late? Well, you know, we have a strike system. You know, uh, three strikes, you're out. Um, there's no excuses. You know, you, you have to learn a discipline. Everybody makes a mistake, sometimes twice. But if you develop a pattern, then you're really not committed to it. You probably need to search out something else for you to, to do. Um, that's just part of, you know, accepting your responsibility and being accountable. And if you got a whole lot of people that uh, aren't that, you're in trouble. Um, so it's, it's pretty cut and dry. Um, we push our kids hard and we love them up. Uh, but our expectations are high. And uh, you better be a man of integrity. You better be one that we can trust. And that makes uh, means that you, you've got to take care of your business. So uh, actually, I think that we had uh, three lates and one miss out of 88 in the weight room for 26 sessions this, this past winter, which is about normal. Coach, um, just to go off of off of that idea of spring ball um, coming up, what um, what one thing really excites you about this team coming up? Well, you know, every team takes on a different personality. You got new people. Um, you know, you got to blend 
personalities uh, from A to Z. I mean, yeah, kids are different, and, and somehow you got to blend them all together, and that's always an exciting challenge to do. You know, I like what I see. We've got a lot of uh, questions to, to have answered on defense. I think offensively we're going to be better. we get got all uh, seniors coming back in our kicking game. So, you know, I'm excited about what I see. Uh, and I'm excited about the challenges uh, of rebuilding our defense as well. But I think, again, you know, you got a good start. you got strength in the front end and the back end. So, you know, we just got to get some seasoning at linebacker. Matt Crable coming back at quarterback is a real factor. Uh, got some guys uh, that are going to be pushing him in the spring as well. Our offensive line will probably be the biggest, strongest, and most talented we've ever had. So we're excited about that. We're a great receiving quarterback with speed. So, um, you know, I'm excited about the year. Coach, that's that's amazing to hear about your offensive line because you guys usually host some some pretty big fellas. Um, let's talk about your conference a little bit, the Mid-States, especially that East Division. Um, you know, you have you guys over there. You have Marion, which is kind of a rival for you guys, to lightly say. And then you have um, Sienna Heights. And, uh, you know, just a amazing football league over there. Oh, and I cannot forget Concordia. I'm going to get burned alive if I forgot about them. Um, you know, Coach, can you just go through and just summarize this going week in, week out in your conference? One, the I'll go ahead and say it. It is the toughest conference in the NAIA, and I'm a Mid-South guy myself. But I will say it. You guys are the toughest conference. Can you just talk about going week in, week out there? It's not easy. I'm going to tell you, baby. Uh, you, you better buckle up and get ready for a gauntlet because the, the thing it does, if you can survive it and you can get into the postseason play, you're well prepared. Um, because you're right. You know, you go down the list with Marion, Siena Heights, Concordia. Now you throw in new teams like Indiana Wesleyan. You ought to see the, the money and facilities and things they put into it. Lawrence Tech out of Detroit. Uh, you're going to have five, six teams that are going to be as strong as anybody in postseason play. So if you can survive, and if you can get in, uh, you've got a shot at making a run for a national title. Uh, it's it's awfully difficult to get through without stubbing your toe. Uh, our 2017 team was a rarity. We had a great quarterback, and that was a difference maker. We had a great football team all the way around. Um, but it, it's not too many times you're going to go through 14 and 0 and play a, a four-team postseason and the conference schedule. We play in the Mid States Football Association East uh, and go undefeated very often. Coach, you know uh, we've been here about 20 minutes now. We're about to wrap it up. Um, you're going to get two more questions from me that I'm going to put as a compound question and get one more from Corey. But I, I have to know, Coach, um, you know, 16 teams get to make the playoffs. A lot of um, automatic berths. You guys were at large this past season and made a run from there. So I have to know, would you be in favor of expanding the playoffs a little bit more? And, you know – Regardless of that answer, would you also be in favor of maybe having one or two bowl games for the NAI, uh, you know, pairing up uh, conference matchups? Well, you're not going to like my answer. That's okay. No, I would not be in favor of expanding the, the playoff system. Uh, if you look at it, over the last 20 years, you, you can count on one hand 
uh, teams that have made a legitimate run uh, outside the, the top eight. If I recall the shots, I'd probably go to an 18 playoff. I don't want to be in it unless I can win it. And if you're not a top eight football team and you haven't played some people and you're just, your, your goal every year is to make the postseason, um, I don't see much point in it. I mean, if you're not striving to be the best, why do you want to just get into a postseason game? Um, I would be just in favor of the opposite of reduction of teams to the top eight, which uh, used to be 25 years ago. Coach, you know, and I'm going to come off of that, and I, I definitely respect that because there, like you said, there is definitely data that proves that you know the top teams are going to get there. You know, your 16th, 15th seed, you know, they they have a tough road to begin with because how the NAI is set up, we reseed, you know, kind of reseed after each round. Um, but I will say, I do like that. You know, in the NAI, teams are rewarded for a great regular season for the work they put in and the consistency. So I, I actually do see that point, and I actually do like that point. You know, just sitting on the media side, more football, I'm all for it, but I can understand from the coach's side as well. And uh, so and then, so I'm going to guess that that, quest, that answer you gave goes off of bowl games as well. You probably think that uh, with an 18-playoff, there's no room for bowl games either, right? Well, I, I think bowl games are optional. Okay. Uh, if there are bowl games and the university says, sure, we'd like to c compete, fine. But, you know, a, a playoff, you're either in or you're not. Right. Everybody wants to get in because they want to have a shot at a title. But, again, if you're not in the top eight, your chances are slim. It's happened a few times. There was a Carroll team in 2004, I believe, that lost two regular season games, wasn't in the top eight, came back and won it. Uh, but, but other than that, there's, there's not been many. Uh, Marriott may have done it in. 12, possibly. I think they had a loss or two. So, you know, I, I think the bowl games, that, that's, you know, that's an institutional decision between the coach, athletic director, and administration. And if you want to do that, you want to be rewarded, you want to go play in someplace warm, hey, have at it, man. Go play a game you love, you know. I just don't think uh, extending the playoffs, uh, you know, you're, you're getting into finals week and all that sort of thing. I think that the reduction and getting three games in uh, during that, that time would be much more productive. Uh, years back when there was an 18 playoff, you uh, didn't play on Thanksgiving weekend uh, because crowds were down over a holiday. So, I mean, you know, I've heard, I've been around long enough, I've heard these discussions, uh, you know, 15 times or better. Uh, so, anyway, it's 16 teams that are fine. That's the way it is. You know, that's what we're, we're going to do. We're going to try to compete and be the best every year, whether 18, 16, or 32. Right? You know, we're, we're going to be the, do the best we can. Coach, I know that, um, you know, you, you don't get much time during the season probably to watch other teams, other levels, anything like that. But um, of, of all, all the coaches, regardless of, of level, um, other than your own, who is your favorite coach or, or team to watch that, that you just really like how they do things and you enjoy watching them? Well, to be honest with you, I only follow our boys. Uh, I watch uh, James Betcher, he's a defense coordinator with the New York Giants. He played for us. He was captain of our 03 team. 
He started his coaching career with us. Mike Yersich, offensive coordinator, Ohio State, started his coaching career here with us in 1999. You know, I, I'm fans of those guys and their teams, so I, I follow them pretty close. But I'm not a pro football fan or a Division One fan or anything like that. Coach, I definitely love that answer. And and I lied to you. I just got one more question, and, and I promise we'll let you go enjoy the weekend with your family. Um, you know, with NAI, you know, I was grateful for my time. I would have never been some places. Um, you know, I would probably never go to Kentucky if I didn't play in the NAI. I just would have no reason to go over there. But it's absolutely gorgeous and beautiful when we go over there to get that mountain air. Coach, I got to ask, where all of you have been, do you have a favorite away game spot that you go to? Actually, I love Marion, Indianapolis. Something about it down there. Uh, seems like we always play our best football there. Uh, love that. You know, I mean, I've gone to some places that, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed. Uh, Reinhardt, we went there uh, 2016 semifinals. Love playing down there. It's the only time we've ever played there. Uh, Georgetown's a beautiful place to play. That's the new stadium there is in my old backyard. <laughs> so it is a true homecoming going back there. Coach, I definitely agree with that. Georgetown's absolutely beautiful, especially with it being so close to Cincinnati. Um, now, Coach, I just want to just thank you for your time and uh, thank you for just being on here for our listeners to just enjoy just hearing a – I want to go ahead and call you just a legend talking ball, and we're just honored to, to talk with you, and hopefully we get up there and uh, get to see a St. Francis game. I also want to give a shout-out to your social media department, whatever you guys have. Where, and I wish more teams would uh, follow in your footsteps where you guys have the game available on Twitter and you always have somebody updating the ScoreStream app where you know it works with our interactive scoreboard. So, Coach, I appreciate the time you came and uh, talked with us. And if there's anything we can do, let us know. But uh, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Have a good weekend, Coach. You too. Bye-bye. So, Coach.